Thank you for listening to this Warui Desho podcast. We're so happy to have the pleasure of your company today. If you've listened to us before and like our show, you might be wondering how you can support us, since we won't take your money. This podcast will continue to be free, but if you'd like to show your appreciation, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes, as those help our discoverability. If you don't use iTunes, that's fine too. You can follow us and like and share our content on SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitter. Additionally, we love getting your feedback, positive or negative. Tweet us at Show or email us at Show at gmail.com. Whether or not it gets read on the show, I can assure you, we all read every tweet and email you send us. And once again, dear listener, we thank you so much. Now please, enjoy the show. Yeah, sorry for that smile technical issue there. As soon as we actually Uh-oh. went online, the entire <laughs> died. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> well, we're off to a flying start today. Aren't we? Why does this always, always? I swear to God, <laughs> always happens. Just immediately oh. when we go online, <laughs> you literally push the button and it broke. Uh, <laughs> where a dog's like covering his mouth it's like oh my god <laughs> like just glanced over and then it's like oh what the fuck is happening I thought it was set up somewhat decently there we are there we, well I've, I've returned anyway so apologies for my mild technical difficulty there folks uh, decided to you know use discord uh, for its intended purpose and it just completely shat itself so there we go Thanks, Discord. You can do all the jo- lo- loading lines you want, but you can't actually make the damn videos <laughs> the to work properly. Yes. Despite, so, uh, despite having a fucking update every single day, it's still crash. Anyway, so, <laughs> ladies, gentlemen, enemies, welcome to episode 12 of season 4 of Stream of 4, covering The Promised Neverland, the finale, The Great Escape Woo! Itself. And, of course, a very happy Friday to everyone. I have a bottle of Halcyon here, which I found at my local Morrison's. Uh, joining me, as always, is 
genuinely great guy. You know, he's over in the ocean somewhere, you know, across the way, being himself, looking a lot like a character from Firefly today, as I noted to him before, is, of course, the Soul Doctor. I'm not just the president of the Yandir fan club. I'm also a client. (laughs) The more you know, the more you know, ladies and gentlemen. And, of course, you know... Joining us as well is freshly minted Netflix executive Vargelia. Oh my god. <laughs> yes, because I, of your, incre- I make, of your incredible I wrote, Twitter suggestion. I wrote the upcoming I wrote the upcoming Netflix show, uh, live action uh, The Promised Neverland for Netflix. Oh, yeah, it, sweet it, Jesus. It, for the WWE. Yeah, that, was, <laughs> that was a thing. That also, was a thing. I have alcohol this time. This is yeah. like my third time drinking alcohol. I'm, I'm yeah. feeling it. <laughs> Basically, you know, I'm no longer the alcoholic on this show. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I am, I suppose, but at least I have company now. Yeah. Doc, you know, Stone Cold Sober I'm over there being sensible. lightweight. I have to drive, drive us all home, so somebody's got to. <laughs> I mean, look, what he has a, the dad outfit, the working dad outfits. That's what exactly what he needs to. Like, I'm wearing my Comic-Con Starship Troopers t-shirt. And why, yes, if you do ask me, I will tell you more. Anyway, <clears throat> so this is episode 12 of The Promised Neverland. We're going to see this show out. Uh, what yes. a ride has it been? We're going to uh, see our children out. They're out. <laughs> yes, they are. Bye, they children. Are. Oh we love you. But firstly, we're going to, of course, address our Twitter topics polls from the previous week. So, uh, you know, Doc, uh, when you know you're not uh, being a big damn hero, you can uh, tell us all about it. Okay, so these are the polls. March 22nd is when we posted them. That seems forever ago. Um, and I'm pretty sure these were... Yeah, this is to, to 10 and 11. Please ignore the ringing phone. Um, oh, my God. Uh, oh, my God. Here, let me just mute myself really fast, and you guys continue. Damn. Basically, I think that might be Discord taking issue with what we said earlier, and that's why they're just breaking off right now. <laughs> How dare you insult our video streaming, you know, and communication platform. We are greatly, greatly offended by this. He didn't mute himself. <laughs> it's business voice is so funny. Nope. Nope. Please leave. Nope. To be fair, I can speak very formally as well on demand, you know, as part of my job. Oh my god, he's about to kill someone. <laughs> yeah, the asking price is ten you, million dollars. You had your chance. Now it's all over. It's too little, too late. Sounds like the last conversation I had on Tinder, to be honest. Oh my god. <laughs> He's going to let you know, Vogue, not to drink more alcohol. Ah, this is our last episode for The Promise Neverland. So that would be our last episode. Ah! Last <laughs> our children deserve better. There's not enough booze in my booze. So excuse me.
we've, um, all, we've all been fired. You, <laughs> that was a, you, you, uh, you were not muted, by the way, my friend. <laughs> I'm not to you guys. I was muted to the stream. Okay. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah, I was because we thought, you were, we, thought, we thought you were about to, you know, uh, get a contract hit out or possibly, you know, do it yourself. Anyway. I made an impression of you and they couldn't hear you. That's so sad. Oh my, I have to They could hear down. you. They could hear you doing the impression, though, <laughs> which I want to go back and listen to now. I'm excited about that. But yeah, no, we, but, but we've all, we've got, you know... We've got two hours to collect our things and exit the building. We've all been fired Sorry. from podcasting. Oh, shit. Well, I best leave my own home yeah, in that, that case. That was Mr. Podcast. I, uh, he's a twat as far as I remember. A John Podcast? Oh, my God. The, John Podcast himself. The John H. Podcast. Esquire. <laughs> yes. Oh, he never right. shits up. So Twitter. Here's the polls, right? So was Norman's death a, quote, Good death philosophically. 80% said, yep, he went out well. Is Grace House really just a Fortnite map in disguise? Excellent question. (laughs) 60% though uh, didn't know how to answer it. They said, what is Fortnite? Well Uh, done. That's the correct answer. You have passed the test. Yes, 30% said absolutely. Um, Without knowing of Emma's plan, was Ray right? Excuse me, to want to take his own life and defy the demons of the Promised Neverland? 57% 57% said yes. I we, You know, uh, we can't talk about this. We just have to move on to episode 12. They're, okay, moving on. Going to mentally <laughs> whew, move on. Is Isabella a sympathetic villain? One that we can understand and identify why she does the things she does? Uh, clearly, we know after episode 12. Yeah, I was going to say, let's rewind this poll exactly. Not even just episode 12. Episode 12, like, just throws so much stuff out from Mm -hmm. the manga that give her so much more character and, like, kind of explain everything about her so much better. Borgalia. Like, I would not be surprised if people said, nah. Because the anime didn't establish her as such. There were a few. I read yeah. everything, by the way. I was going to say, <laughs> Valerie, newly minted manga reader. Uh, yeah, I've I'm read like a... everything from Escape to wherever the manga is right now. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I... I mean, there were a few little bits. I feel in the anime where you could do the like Dark Souls <laughs> storytelling. Yeah. You could be, like fill yeah, in the, the blanks yourself. Your yeah, how she <laughs> feels like, about pretty it. Pretty sure, yeah, yeah. basically. But but without those inner monologues, like you said, it's um. Off, off chat, you said it's, it's that was really, really laid out in a poignant mm. way. But 80% said yes, that she's also a victim. Uh, and those are the polls mm-hmm. from 10 and 11. Indeed. Cool. Thank you very much, everyone, for taking part in those. Um, so let's talk about episode 12. Uh, we now return to the Promised Neverland, already in progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say before we say anything else, guys, so one thing that I really liked uh, that's just minor thing uh, there's a new. Um, I don't know what you call it, a bumper or something for Noitamina, which mm-hmm. is specific for this show. This and they didn't, have to, they didn't have to make it for this specifically. Well, I really like that they did. They're obviously very, they're very proud of this show, and rightly so, they should be. Uh, but I'm guessing it just must mean that they're you know, planning on bringing out for uh, further syndication on I mean, I think it's going to be on Toonami at some point soon. Really? Possibly. I may, wow. I, I may, I, mis- I may okay. have misread that, so don't, don't quote me on that. I'll, uh, uh, let me Google it. Said, that being said, 
uh, we also have been told that there will indeed be a season two in 2020. Mm. Excellent. Nice. I mean... Let me unmute myself for the stream. It is coming to Toonami. You are correct. You were right mm. about that. Uh, there we, so there we good, go. Good call, good nice. call. And uh, yeah, season I... two. Um, before we get into the plot, though, do you want me to talk about the director really fast? Of, uh, uh, yes, please, okay. please do. And this this helps because last time we knew that uh, Chiaki Nagai was the director of 10, but we didn't know the director of 11. Turns out the director of 11 is the same as the director of 12, uh, Toshio Ono. And interestingly enough, Toshio Ono, like, is credited in ANN not with episode direction, but with mm-hmm. um, series composition and uh, the writing of six different scripts for The Promised Neverland. And so I think, like, based on the fact that this person directed the last two episodes and the first one, in addition to, like, mm-hmm. one or two in the middle, I think we can go ahead and say this person is the head writer uh, for the show. Because usually the head writer, at least when I've done... I'm not going to say it's every time, but when I've looked into it, they direct the first episode and last episode um, in addition to the writing. Uh, or they write, mm-hmm. write, not direct, but write first episode and write last episode. Um, but uh, additionally, um, we've got credits on Ono's resume for uh, series composition of Suritama, which again, I'll say it again, I've said it before on this stream, watch that show, that show is great. Uh, if you watched Neverland, you will. The voice actor who plays Don plays one of the main characters in Suritama, oh and he's totally different. Like the voice Don makes when he's like, "Yeah," in this show, like that's the voice of the all the Don time. Don is fucking <laughs> everyone's like sixth favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh dear! But Haru in Haru in Suritama is way better. He's squirting everyone with water guns and. Uh, He's also an alien who loves fishing. That's a great show. Uh, That'll do. That'll do. Got Gatchaman Crowd series composition, both seasons, uh, some Precure stuff. So pretty accomplished as far as like writing things that have been well received by the fan community. Fair enough. I think drinking was a mistake. Well, I've been, I've been telling that myself. Please I've been telling myself that for twelve years, but it doesn't my... stop me from doing it. Happy Friday. <laughs> My head feels weird. Uh, Mine does too, but maybe that's just my, you know, lack of hair. Anyway. So, moving on. So, we pick up where we left off last time, which is Grace House is indeed burning down, and Phil has just gone up to Mom and said, hey, Mom, you know, pay attention to me because, you know, my home is burning to the fucking ground, please. That'd be nice. And we can cut, of course, to Ray and the other kids on the wall. And this is where things start to unfold backwards, like... And learn how this more details of how this all came together. Um, we also do indeed learn the fate of the other children because we did see that none of the babies or the younger kids were with them at the end of episode 11. What's happened is that while she was still laid up in bed, uh, recovering from her broken leg, uh, Emma, Don, and Gilda had a round table discussion uh, in which they basically had to decide do we take everyone or do we not? For reasons that have been articulated both by the show and by ourselves previously, you know, it's not, is it right to leave them behind because there would be a burden on us or because it would be unfair on them given how young they are? We've tread this war before, essentially. And as you might recall, Emma's position throughout pretty much the entirety of the show has been, we take everyone, no exceptions, clean sweep, Abe's Odyssey, 
perfect sending. That kind of thing. Everyone gets out. Everyone gets out. But this is the point, like, this is one of the points of this episode where we see the culmination of everything that's happened with Emma and how she has changed as a, a character without losing that innate, you know, caring nature of hers that makes her be the real mother of this show. But also that, you know, as something I'm personally fond of and approve of is that sometimes pragmatism does demand that you have to make hard choices. It's not as simple as, sim- uh, you know, getting everyone out and then actually having it happen. So... After discussing it with Don and Gilder, in which Gilder is very much, you know, of the opinion that it's not right for us to leave everyone behind, but we have to because it's not going to be right for us to take them with them. Either we, there's no, there's no, this is one of the things I really like about this dilemma in that there's no right answer or easy answer to be taken. It's a tough choice regardless of what they do. Um, but indeed the decision is made after discussion with them, including Don, who he, he seems to lie with the idea of we take everyone, but when when um, they discuss this, he is visibly shaking over this, but he has no answer because he knows that it's right that it would be you know bad for the kids to come with them that in that number. But it doesn't mean he's happy about it. it. Doesn't mean any of them are happy about it. They don't do this lightly. But they have a plan in mind. So they call in everyone's favorite little Cthulhu, Phil. Phil Phil. so all of this build up throughout this entire show like where we've seen so many scenes of Phil like you know being singled out made to be important through the framing of the camera all of that this pays off here and it's it's basically revealed that Phil is like the kind of younger version of one of the highest scoring students like Mm -hmm. I would imagine he's like a kind of a like they kind of explore what a young person kind of going through this revelation and seeing what kind of stuff would be like. He's more attentive, kind of dealing with shit. Yeah. Continue, please. Indeed. So all of that, all of that buildup that we've seen now pays off here because Phil says after they revealed the truth to him, that he kind of knew. He kind of knew all yep. along, despite how young he is, despite, you know, all of that. I knew it. I eat all the brains. It was me. Sorry. And they just devours them all. We get the Undertale-style bad ending. Wow, wow. Um, but yeah, even despite his young age, um, and you know the fact that Emma had previously stated she didn't want to tell the young kids because they wouldn't believe it, he gets it. He knows. And he starts weeping because he realizes then that that's what happened to Norman and to Connie. Yeah, and to everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you put it all together. Emma, like, based Emma on... now makes. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, go on. Get you first. Oh no, I was just gonna like he put it all together based on these observations. Like, you know, I, I I liked this. Like, aside from like him being a genius and like thinking about how that sort of person at a young age deals with this, I just like the fact that. Like, here you have this kid who's been observant, and we've seen him all around, like you said, like, looking in on things and showing up uh, at the end of certain scenes or whatever, and, like, he's watching, he's listening, and kids aren't completely stupid. Like, he knew something was up. Um, And this is the first time that he's not smiling, which was really, like, uh, got to me during this scene. Because he's always got a little, his little smile on. He's a little imp. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's he's, a, he's, the correct word. Yes. Yeah, he's lo- he's loving his little you know four or five year old existence. It's great. But yeah, so this is Emma's plan. She can't get all of the kids out now. It isn't going to happen. If it does, they're going to probably end up severely endangering them, or you know they could even die. It could cause the whole thing to collapse. Yeah. But all of the hints that we, all of the rules that have been set out to us have been laid down. The kids aren't harvested until a minimum age, which is six years old. So all of the children who are under that age, like by at least a bit of a distance, they can leave behind safely, knowing they're not going to be immediately devoured. And so Phil is being left behind and being informed of this as essentially the kind of next generation, you know, giving him the knowledge of the, and the truth. So he in turn can, you know, get them out maybe when the time comes or at least to keep them safe until Emma can return. Cause indeed Emma says that she will return. She'll be back to get the remainder of the kids and everyone else in the other plants are there. So it isn't the case of them being left completely in the lurch here. Emma is still doing something for them, which is that he is, she, sorry, she is giving Phil the truth. I mean, I said before, like, about how Norman and Connie's death differs a little bit. And I think that, you know, in their shoes, I would be much rather go out if I was forced to, knowing how the world works and really is, as opposed to living a lie. So, back to the escape. All of the kids have made it onto the wall. Uh, the other younger kids meet up with Isabella. She's still got her, you know, ham radio set up, and uh, she's not doing a shock shock hour, as it turns out. She actually ends up uh, calling through to headquarters to inform them of the accident although the fact that no one seems to spite the giant plume of smoke and thought shit dog that'd be pretty fire over there like no one's like spied that but yeah the alarm is sounded now remember the plan previously we're gonna go over the bridge we're gonna get over there and that turns out to be you know a switch a bait and switch here so it's the fucking yes we're gonna go over the bridge and that's what a dumbass would say. Not. Yeah. Yeah, where Brooklyn at? Where Brooklyn at? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just fucking walking at the wall while freestyling. <laughs> Next up on the Isabella and Crone Hour. How to properly control your children before they get turned into lunch meat. But first, Phil Collins. Phil. Oh man, we'll get we'll get we'll get to Leslie soon enough. So, uh, it turns out the kids have been training, and specifically they've been training. Uh, Don, rather, has been training on how to throw a length of uh, cloth uh, around a tree stump from a distance. Or, uh, dumbass. In a... Just get a bottle rocket, you We'll come dummy. to that. We'll, we'll come to that. We'll come to that. So, yeah. Goddamn. So they find the closest point, which Norman's marks out previously on his map, where the gap between the wall and the other side is at its least. And Don manages to get the rope over, t- round a tree from a distance, and manages to zip line across it. And Ray's watching all of this like, what, like, what the f- What the hell? The fuck? Yeah, it's spelt with Q at the end, by the way, not CK. It's the kind of reaction Ray's having here. 
but yes, uh, we've got uh, Onion Kid and his fellow, whose names are actually revealed here. Uh, but they're essentially filling in uh, Adam and Jamie from Mythbusters here. And kids actually use a bottle rocket to escape from a high-security prison. And this myth is confirmed true, because they use this bottle rocket to get the more rogues across. Uh, at which point they then start ziplining with coat hanging. So yeah, they've all all this preparation has been happening behind Ray's back, and indeed our own, uh, which is something I'll address later. Uh, but we get to see scenes of it, like, you know, where it's just, you know, them having a good goof off. The kids are played. It all seems disguised as that. And this is the point where Norman returns, quote-unquote. This obviously is not Norman really here. He's not pulling, like, you know, the, the old bait-and-switch. Sorry, sorry, I punked you by pretending I was dead just to fuck with your brain. <laughs> He's not doing that. But um, to speak a little personally for myself here without actually going into too much detail for a variety of reasons... I think this scene like really strikes me just because even though Norman is gone, he is still with them in memory and, ex- and example. They have those memories of him, and they have the examples they left behind him of what they what they can do and how they can live. You know, just keep on fighting. This so whole Ray plan kind of, is his legacy, basically. Yeah, and so Ray kind of like in a monologue, what I'd imagine Norman would say to him uh, about you know being fooled, and. That's that. Uh, he says, you know, everyone... Show you something cool, bro. <laughs> he says um, everyone's joining in because Emma's the one who's leading it everyone trusts her. And it's fair. Like, you know, Emma's, you know, got everyone on board, built it up over time. They all know the truth, as we established in the previous episode. So there we go. Now, you might note at this point that the plan has gone pretty well, all told, apart from the fact the alarm got sounded a little early, but that's moot given they're not going to the bridge anymore. And this is where the complication arises. Uh, there's a girl whose name eludes me at the moment because I didn't properly take notes because I'm a lazy bastard. Jimmy, Jemima, yeah. Jemima. Jemima, Jemima, potato, potato. You're killing me, Doc. You're killing me. Um, yes. So, she surprisingly is the like there's only three kids left apart from uh emma and ray uh which is jemina some dude and onion kid and yes he has a name but i'm never gonna not call him onion kid. like you don't have that hairstyle and don't get called onion kid. i'm sorry in the same way that you could technically call me miss potato Sweat, and i wouldn't necessarily call an insult <clears throat> in the same way you know i have a hairstyle and they call me asshole <laughs> so jemina it's the first kid to shit a brick over this. Not unreasonably, I would say, because it is literally a gaping chasm of death. So, um, and then, of course, Onion Kid and the other kid, uh, they start bricking it. Yeah, they look down, they start bricking it too. Uh, Jemima's actually crying. And this is the point that Ray steps in. Not Emma, as you might otherwise expect, leading into this. And he says, I'll carry you. I'll take you, you know. So they, you know, whip up a little thing, you know, to have her, like, cradled in front of him. Um, he also, you know, talks down uh, Onion Kid and his friend into doing it. Which is fine. And... <laughs> yeah. What a pair of balls! And the reaction they give is incredible. Like, yeah, we can do this. It's super easy. We got this, bro. But they're kids. So yeah, Ray uh, and Jemima go across, 
and in turn the other two kids do, leaving only Emma. Meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, <laughs> I, I had to chuckle at this because we didn't get to see it, but the beauty of having an imagination is you can, of course, picture how it looks in your head and how daft it is. So recall that Isabella is the person who we, you know, who scaled the wall previously. She knows the kids are up there, even though she can't track them anymore. Because it's, well, it's not been shown. It's obvious to, you know, infer that they have disabled the other kids' tracking devices with the little clicky thing that Ray built. So uh, we have a bit where she's, like, using a rope to, like, you know, swing around a tree. And then we cut to her on the wall. And I'm like, wow, I didn't realize Isabella was an ultimate ninja warrior champion. You know, in her off hours when she's not raising kids to be turned into hamburgers. Joe, didn't you see that the training crone went through? She knows karate, man. She knows karate. I'm serious, Isabella. Like, you know, she could totally win total total wipeout. Oh, Takeshi's castle. If you're a fan of that. So, everyone's made it across now, apart from Emma, and Isabella is making her way across the wall to go find them. Good thing she's going in the right direction, because she'd be really embarrassed if she just went the wrong way and then just could circle around and find fuck all. <laughs> Indeed. So, all the kids are across at this point. Uh, Ray is comforting Jemina. And at this point, Isabella catches up with them, or rather just with Emma, who's ready to cross. And she says to her, and that is to Isabella to Emma, don't go. What was that? Don't go. But Emma takes a look at her, pretty stern, thinks back to the house, which is burning down, and that's the images that we see through Emma's perspective here. And she says, goodbye, house. Goodbye. Goodbye, mom. And then she crosses. She just goes. And after they cross, the ropes that they had used to get across the chasm fall away because they cut them at the other end. And that's it. They're gone. They've made it. They're out. All you see is just the, the ropes get detached from their side of the cliff. Yeah. And then silence. Exactly. They just blow in the wind. Um, I honestly thought, by the way, like, I thought to myself, if the episode ended here, that probably would still have been a damn fine ending for it. Because mm -hmm. that's it, they've like, done it. I was, like, crying so hard at this point, because, like, oh my god, my children made it. I was crying at the fucking bottle rockets. <laughs> when in any other show I would be laughing my ass off. But no. <laughs> my beautiful children, they made it. Mm. Woo! They did everything. It's not even Emma. It's not even like they were all amazing at the end. Mm. <sighs> but the episode does not indeed end there. There is still uh, quite a fair bit of time left, and this is when a lot of this is when Isabella takes time to reflect on what's just happened and who she really is and why she does the things she does. We speculate a lot over the course of this stream of thought here, you know, about who she is, like, what's happened to her, where she came from. And we've had hints of this, like how she said to Norman when she was leading him to the gate, I'm so glad I got to meet someone like you. 
And of course, his probing question before that of, are you happy? To which she doesn't immediately answer. She says yes, but that doesn't mean she is. And like I said, it's a question maybe that she isn't necessarily happy, but so she believes it, which is not strictly speaking the same thing. But this is when the flashback reel comes off and it's framed a lot like, in certain parts, Crone's flashback. But yeah, Isabella did indeed make it to the wall. But then we also start hearing guitar. Who's this guitar, you might think to yourself? Well, the f this is a gentleman named Leslie. Uh, and he is basically, I would say, to Isabella as Norman is to Emma, or was to her. I would say that they have the, pretty much the same kind of close-knit relationship. Uh, by the way, I'm not going to put this as a full talking point, but I just want to address this now. In this flashback where Isabella is talking to Leslie, she jumps out of a tree and scares the living shit out of him and then somersaults over said tree to land standing up. It's already been established at this point Isabella is athletic enough to even get up the wall in the first place. So we don't, strictly speaking, need this. But I appreciate that even in this flashback, after the whole story is practically done with, it's still building and reinforcing that with how she acted. You could tell like how she came from there to here. I really, really like that. But yeah, Leslie uh, is playing a tune on his guitar. And... This is something that Isabella takes to heart. But then events play out as you might expect. He is sent away. And Isabella at some point, as a young child, learns the truth. Indeed, she is then actually, you know, called down from the wall by Grandma, who at the time was a mom, and then is given the same pathway to becoming a mom that was going to be offered to Emma, the thing that we saw before, and also Crone, of course. And then the flashback kicks into fairly high gear. Indeed, one other thing I really appreciate about this flashback is, like I mentioned, how it's framed with Crone. Like, it's practically the same framing, just Isabella in Crone's place, even to the point where Isabella is the only character who's actually coloured in, and the rest of them are just grayscale nobodies. They're irrelevant. But, but this flashback provides details that Crone's did not. The key one of which is that we see Isabella nursing her belly because she is heavily pregnant at some point during her mom training. And to divulge, oh sorry, to divert slightly, here's my thought process at this time. Okay, she's pregnant. Pregnant for reasons that I'll show us back in a minute. Next bit, next bit. Stop episode, put hand to head, start screaming internally. Didn't they show Crone is pregnant? No. I think they didn't. Okay. No, they didn't. That's weird. I, I thought that so. they did something that like, they make everyone do. I'm I think they do. The manga again, but I think it's like a thing. Like, everyone. I, it's, it. it's, it's, well, it's something I'm going to talk about later. And then, yeah, and then they put your children in your farm so that you become heartless and cruel. Not necessarily, I would say, but I'll save that for later. Um, but anyway, the long start of this is that Isabella, you know, like comes to the point where she is now a mom of Grace House and she hears a child humming a tune. We've heard this tune before. It was only there minutes ago in, in flashback at least. And it was Leslie's guitar, just someone humming the, the beat of it in the tempo instead. Who is that child? It's fucking Ray. Recall the detail he said about how he could remember every detail. And the, the moment, fucking... Not even while he was in the womb. 
The Bear in mind, Isabella. Wine ever. <laughs> bear, bear in mind. Bear in mind that Isabella was humming that tune while mm-hmm. she was nursing him. And Isabella's look is one of it absolutely being crushed immediately. Like, you can only get that, you can only try and mimic that expression by crushing a, an aluminium can in your hands, trying to get that said. Because that's what it looked like to me. She just fucking shattered. Yep. And she already had been very broken by that point. I mean, she's already become a mom. Of course, she's been, you know, brainwashed, indoctrinated, broken down, wore down to such fine powder. Well, this is like the final, you know, insult, final punch. And call me crazy, but did I not guess this just completely randomly that Ray was Isabella's son? I think I said it at the end of last episode. We've uh, different people, both in chat and on mic, have guessed many things (laughs) about it. um, (laughs) Emily pointed out correctly, there was someone, I don't remember if it was one of us or uh, a chatter, that was very, like, insistent that Norman was the son. Okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, don't even have the same hair. What the (laughs) hell? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's obviously more likely that Sephiroth is fucking Norman's dad than Isabella <laughs> is her, his mom. Just saying, right? Or maybe, you know, Virgil. I mean, I hear he's been getting his end away these days, but that's a different thing entirely. So, <clears throat> after resist not spoiling, like, the exact, like, the direct next, like, episode that would be... Not spoiling the first episode of Stop it. Two. Stop it. Control control the spoilers. People are asking and I'm like, yes, I know. I can tell you. <laughs> right, right. Restrain thyself. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Isabella, you know, she reminisces of her past and what it cost her. But her own son was under her care and yet not in the way that we would appreciate as a real mother some relationship. She was still sending him off to be eaten. Bear in mind, she brought up his fucking, you know, departure date in response to him trying to escape. Fuck. Fuck. She was doing that. Yeah, she, like, that's it. Man. So, back in the present day, Isabella, hair down and all that, just, you know, letting the moment sink in. Takes the ropes in and wishes them well, says, please be careful. Like, she ultimately, you know, didn't help them to escape any point or, you know, really change her allegiance or anything. Well, now they're gone. She doesn't, you know, doesn't go, I'll get you next time, you meddling kids. She's not, like, doing that kind of Man, She's not bitter. She's not angry. She's just calmly accepting and even content, I would say. And when she gets back to the children who are outside the Burning Grace house, she says to Phil that they escaped safely, which basically says to me that yeah sure she's done awful things and she is still an awful person but there's just been that little change that little pivot she may not be able to actually you know stop them from being sent or you know do anything inside her own confines of her you know life and rules but she doesn't take it out on them she doesn't say to phil right you're getting fucking sent tomorrow i don't care that you're only like a chicken nugget right now rather than the full fucking thing but yeah yeah so no please continue okay so the kids they're all running away 
Isabella is looking after the remaining children by giving them blankets to keep them warm. It is winter. That's been established previously. Yeah. And after a bit more discussion, it literally is a new dawn for them as the closing image of the episode is sunrise. It's their to, first morning. Is this To make a note on that, like it's in the manga, which shows so much more stuff. It's like, not only is Isabella just kind of content, just okay with how things are. She basically like takes away the sheet ropes so that the de- demons don't find them and actually realize that they ran on that side. She kind of even helps them a bit. Mm. And she's like really happy that they escaped. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah. But that's it. That's the Promise Neverland season one ending with their escape. The, a complete success. Like, the plan did not really fall apart at any point. The one bump that they hit with Jemima was handled immediately. And they did it. So good. That's it. They, so, they're out. Well, let's not worry about, like, the talking points format. Let's just talk. <laughs> let's just discuss this. I feel like we could talk about so many things. Borgelia just wants to cry on mic for a while. Also. <laughs> Don't fucking pay attention to me. Oh, man. I'll, I'll, I'll start off here, because I've been mm. thinking about this show, the run-up to this stream before, and how I ultimately feel about it. Uh, don't worry, I think it's fucking magnificent. I think it's great. But here's, here's the thing, right? If you boil this show down and its story to its base elements, it's very simple. There isn't any sort of, like, It's a very tight concept. I think that's partially what kind of gave it a lot of momentum. It's Mm. children in a house, like the kind of their opponents are very well defined. Uh, They're kind of like, they have one single goal. It's just a very kind of tight concept. Yeah. Yeah. Kids kids escape from confinement. That's really it. There isn't any sort of like grand twists or changes throughout. I mean, I mean, oh yeah, Norman gets sent and all that. I understand that, but I mean, like, you know, the goal always was to escape, and that's what happens. Isn't we escape, you know, four episodes in and then continue on elsewhere? Yes, that's the premise of the following season, the latest material. But this arc was on its own, just simply from start to finish. We're getting out. It's a simple premise. Like, there's nothing complicated about it. They don't overfluff like the reasons why the demons want to eat them. You know, they don't overfluff the kids themselves. They're not like, you know, kids with special powers or some shit like that. They literally just rely on the wits. It's very simple. Well, simplicity doesn't mean it's not engaging, tense, mm-hmm. vexing. It doesn't need to be a grandiose, like, you know, tale. Like, I've, I mean, I think, for example, of Land of the Lustrous, which I still think is one of my favorite shows ever. But the, that tale is really, really complex. There's a lot of different things happening over the course of its season. Different events, you know, you meet Ventricusis, uh, you get the, you know, things that happen to Foss, all sorts of shit. I'm just going to say up front, like, that I was initially relatively, and I say relatively because I still thought it was really good, but I wasn't quite 9 out of 10 material on this show. Mm. I thought it was really well done, but I wasn't quite, you know, totally into it. That's not me condemning the show. I think it's just, you know, it hadn't quite separated itself as something truly special. But then by the end, 
I can only speak to my reactions. I mean, like, I could be critical all I want, like, you know, various elements of the show's writing and whatnot. I could talk, like, you know, about how the filming works. I could go on for hours about all intricate details. But a show that makes me stop the final episode halfway through because I have to process the emotional implications of what happens to Isabella. And also I had to, you know, I was had my hand in my mouth watching Norman's gradual, almost torturous, you know, exit from Grace House to his doom. That in its own way speaks volumes to me on how good this show is. Forget all the stuff about criticizing or talking or, you know, deconstructing. Let's just talk about my emotional reaction to it, which was, holy shit, I wanted them to succeed. I was biting my hand as Norman went. I was appalled and disgusted in a good way when I found out what happened to Isabella. What more do you want? Can I say, by the way, that manga does address a lot of the nitpicks and a lot of the theory stuff that we've been talking about, like, very soon after the children escape. So even that stuff's kind of addressed, even the things that are like, yeah, this doesn't make sense. Well, that's the thing, like, you also have... You say it. Well, that's the thing, like, a lot of stuff that, like, when you watch this show, like, it's like, again, with Land of the Lustrous, oh, you know, they don't find out who what Sensei's deal is. Of course they fucking don't. It's, you know, first season. All I ask is that we get a second to address the issues that we discussed, you know, and the things that we want to talk about. So, I think that this is also the show's favouring, especially given that now season two has been confirmed. If you think to yourself, okay, I want to know more about that, give it time. The story's still open. This is the ending of just the first arc. Like, this is the first chapter, so to speak. So, however, I, even <laughs> however, however, I will make the bridge to, I think, another point you probably have is that, like, this ending was like the endless ending, right? It was mm. just this really beautiful, satisfying, cathartic, conclusive moment. And, I mean, if they never made another Promise Neverland episode in some weird alternate timeline where the manga didn't win any awards and the anime adaptation wasn't successful and they just were like, eh, we're going to shelve it. Like, and they didn't make any more, this season can still absolutely stand on its own and absolutely be recommendable. Um, Exactly. And not not just as, like, a manga commercial, as, like, in its kind of completeness, despite you not knowing the details of what happened after the escape. And I, this is true. Oh, I love it for that. That's, that's part of why I was able to get distracted and get busy and move on and not continue devouring the manga like Borealia got to do. Um, because, like, I, it was walk-awayable, not because it wasn't compelling, it wasn't good. It's just like, man, that was satisfying. Yes. yes. Yeah. Having read the manga especially i i would kind of doubly say that not that i don't love the it i love it so much i'm just saying like this kind of it does feel like the end of a story it's a completely different story after it you know it's kind oh, of wow. survival in the wild it's it's not like the kind of as tight of a concept as it is it's more kind of an adventure more or whatever so this is definitely kind of the ending of a story because it's like it could go anywhere from here like 
they dealt with this. They did their best. Everything worked out. Now they can do whatever they want. Now it can be mm. anything you imagine. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right, Charlotte. Like, <laughs> that endless ending concepts I'm so fond of, like where it's a complete thing, but it leaves the door open for actual yeah, continuation. Writing or, into the fucking sunset. Or, yeah, or, you know, your own like head cannon that leaves you comfortable with what mm -hmm. happened next. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But there are indeed things that are not addressed by season one, not that these are criticisms. Like William Minerva. Were this a standalone Yeah. Story, yeah. Were this a standalone thing where we didn't get season two? I would argue it's fair to criticize the show for keeping that in when we don't do anything with it, but we do have a season two coming, so let's just keep that in mind. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention you, Then uh, you have the same issue with the Harry Potter moment, moment where it's like, yeah, this setup is not resolved in the Harry Potter movies, where it's like, yeah, this this thing that's set up isn't kind of resolved here, so whatever. And then they get to the next movie and shit. Well, that's why J.K. Rowling is running her Twitter like she is now oh retconning my, shit. Yeah. I'm right, yeah. Anna. You. It's <laughs> like why? Why aren't there any toilets on this double-decker bus with the racist caricature driver? Mm -hmm. Oh, because it's wizards; they could just disappear. The poop. <laughs> but yeah. it's it's like I'm we just... talked about um off uh, off camera the other day that like you know this the fact that it's being adapted into television seasons creates these artificial endpoints that don't exist for the manga mm -hmm. so it's weird for a long continuous story that's like you know oh by chapter you know 26 they haven't resolved something that they brought up in chapter 12 it's like well that's because there's a hundred and something chapters and there's not gonna supposed to be like a you know what i mean this the the adaptation creates these weird I'd use the word again, artificial endpoints where you can be like, all right, by this point in the yeah, story. I mean, in this case, they is... couldn't even move the resolution back. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like, oh, it's not oh. like, it's, well, William Minerva is like a thing you see when you get out. Like, that's what you need to go with. It can't really move that while they're still in the house. It's just kind of, you can imagine it as if it establishes like a goal, like a hope. It's not, they just get out and then they die by the forest. They get out and they have something to work for and that makes the ending better in this case. Aye. So yeah, that's all I really have to say on it at the moment. Like, in just without, I mean, we've gone through 12 episodes of Stream of Thought now. You know about my thinking and like the various critical elements, like, you know, the, the way in which it's been deconstructed, the way in which the show is made up. Um, but yeah, it got me. In the end, it did get me. Okay, so, well, I got that, that itself is a you know achievement unlocked mm -hmm. right there. Well, I feel like as I go through my notes, I'll probably pull some more stuff out of you guys because I got notes. Don't well, I do have talk. I do have talking points. I'm running out. <laughs> well, look. I mean, be prepared. I'm just saying, be prepared. I will kill more you. More tissue, more tissue, more beer. Oh, oh dear. More brain. Uh, <laughs> I'm hungry. Like, okay, so I want to talk about this again because uh, you, Shadon, I mean, you addressed it already, but, man, I just want to revisit it because, well, 
it, the point I'm talking about is Emma making the decision, I guess, with Phil's input, right, to, to leave mm-hmm. the four-year-olds for, you know, maybe a year, maybe longer, maybe shorter, like, and to come back and raid the farm again to get them out um, for all the reasons you stated is, like, I, it's such a, like, oh, it's so... It's so good because she's, like, adapting on the fly without losing yes. anything in her core that makes her her, you know? Not like, even not even that. It's, like, even going before that, telling Phil, like, a four-year-old, like, honestly, mm-hmm. and, like, okay, this is what's going to happen, and trusting Phil to be able to take care of everything for everyone else. That's like even going even further, yes. kind of in her character development. That just like telling the children and stuff. Mm, indeed, I love that. So, like they, he, you know, sorry, she I... fully trusts this kid. She brings him in. She tells him everything. Yeah, and like all the, all the trust she put in the other kids. You know, when they told all the other. Uh, ones that were older than four that were going to escape like they she put a lot of faith in them all the older kids did and then just to see them during the montage helping pull the other kids up the wall like in returning that trust and like really contributing in this tangible way to the escape and repaying that faith was like again it just it hit me it was so just oh it brought so many good feelings I loved it so much. Indeed. Sorry, go ahead, Shadon. Yes. I didn't mean to interrupt you. So, this, like, the end of this episode is the culmination of the character arcs of both Emma and Ray. And I loved it for this because I've said before, probably not maybe on this stream of thought, perhaps, but on others, um, that I'm personally a fan of Bray morality. Like, I don't think that it's necessarily always the case that you should have hard and fast rules. Sometimes a situation will demand that you be flexible or that you reassess. You can't live your life, you know, permanently being lawful good or chaotic evil for that matter. You know, life is complex. It demands complex answers that, you know, rigid morality, both good and bad, can't give you. Which is also, funny enough, one of the reasons why uh, I actually end up liking Fate Stay Night a fair bit because Shiro gets, you know, his you know, lawful, good, morality completely debunked and deconstructed in the most amazing way possible, as it turns out, but that's a different (laughs) talk. So, think of it this way, right? Emma, she's pure family. She's purely driven by the, you know, the people around her and making them safe and making them happy. Whereas Ray, he's driven almost entirely, up to this point at least, by himself and his own needs, my wants, my needs, my survival. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. And bear in mind everything that's been said throughout the show, Emma was insistent they take everyone, and Ray was insistent they take no one but themselves. So, where do we end up? We end up with Emma leaving a group of the kids behind, and Ray doing something in himse- himself that shows how he has changed, so they kind of meet in the middle. Because remember what happened on the on the wall. Jemina, she freaks out. You'd think that you'd think Emma you know, the, would be the person. 
yeah, you'd think. Mm-hmm. But here's Ray saying, who's previously said under no uncertain terms, everyone else is a burden, literally taking one of them as a physical, <sighs> literal Man. burden on himself. I think, yeah. Oh. It's I mean, definitely he's... true that he changed his mind ages ago, but this is like a literal kind of burden. Yeah. He doesn't have to That's perform it. anymore. He he's doesn't. free. <laughs> no more Fucking... watchdog, no more double agentry, no more like needing to hide shit. God, and he is, knows now that these kids are not a burden, that he underestimated them. And he can care Ray, about them openly. He doesn't have to worry about them getting shipped off and breaking his heart again. It's so good! Even after this, Ray becomes so fucking amazing in the rest of this, like, story. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just the beginning, basically. I love so, Ray. Yeah, that, that, that moment, I was like, that's it. He has changed definitively as a person for the better. I mean... That, uh, I think for this way, let's just break this down to actual prag- practical stuff here. Could that rope have hold- held both their weight? I didn't know that. He didn't know that. Well, he did it anyway. No, he did it anyway. Because it didn't matter. He didn't want, you know, her to suffer. I mean, I can see all the race saying, leave her behind. You can stay here. I'll go over. Hell, he probably would have been one of the first people over. But he waits until the rest of them go much before joining them and then literally takes Jermyron as an actual right there in your face burden on mm-hmm. his person to get her out incredible and as for Ember like she doesn't do it lightly she doesn't do it happily she isn't you know really you know entirely content with this course of action but she recognizes that her own plan of getting everyone out isn't simply feasible it is, as Ray will see, so dangerous it could potentially get all of them killed. Or even just one of them. And can you imagine, like, even if one of them had died, that would have broken her heart. So she makes the difficult choice, but she does so, overcoming her other character flaw that she had previously, which is her reluctance to get everyone else on board, that she seems so sure of herself and what she was doing was right, that she didn't need to give Don and Gilda the full picture. You know, she wanted to white lie with them. Mm. Right. And now... Going beyond that, she's telling the truth to a child so much younger than her who, if it were anyone else apart from Phil, probably even me at his age, I'd look at her and go, what? <laughs> i go like that. That's an incredible amount of trust supporting someone else, never mind someone that young, that you are essentially going to be, you know, the vanguard for the next generation to try and keep them safe, oh, man. given everything that's happened. Yeah. That's a huge rocky responsibility, and he's four. He's not big enough to ride the fucking teacups at Disneyland. That's wow. So yeah, we got two con- solid, consistent, and well-executed character arcs for our main characters, and that's to me is probably one of the things I will take away from the show the most. That for so many other shows that we've seen where they simply can't execute, Frank's, I'm looking at you again. You know, on their main characters' character arcs. This show does it, and it does it without needing any parlor tricks of powers, mechs, all sorts of crazy shit. It doesn't need anything fancy to dress itself up and just prove, you know what, they'll get by on their wits, and they'll get by on their hearts. And I really appreciate that. So, 
interesting uh, interesting bit that I was thinking about Emma's plan to leave them behind, which I think is like in terms of growth for her or, or in terms of even displaying what's inside her, um, that it's a great moment and everything. And I don't think it should have happened any other way. I'm just curious if you think that her doing it on the basis of the assumption this house will still need to churn out like quality over quantity. Like, is there any, just, just me like thinking like probably not in a way that I should be, but, but thinking about it in terms of like, not the story itself, but like, will, will, uh, will this house be that way? Will they change the rules? Will Isabella still be the mom? Like there's like a million variables that can well, change the I way have... the house operates. I have some speculation on this. So first off, immediate f- aftermath of this, I'm going to be blunt. I think they're going to execute Isabella. They did it. They did it on Crone on a much lesser thing. I think we've probably seen the last aggressive. Well, do you? The, here's here's an argument. I don't know if this hold, holds up, but here's an argument as to why you might not. Borgalia sitting there knowing what's going to happen. Uh, fucking hell. Uh, I'm already out of commission. This gives me <laughs> like a small break to gather myself. <laughs> so, so if you're the demons, um, cause you... I'm already the demons. Oh God! If you should on or are the demons, you take on this role hypothetically. I'm the demons. And you have stop with the little flower thing, done. <laughs> you fucked up. You fucked up and let fifteen kids escape. Never like holding it like, okay, a okay, okay. Fucking, like a dart. Okay. Actually, I'm glowing Think about myself. it. Think about <laughs> it. Think about it this way. The two high... You don't give a fuck about 13 of the 15. I mean, you said, kill the others on site. We only care about the high quality two. High quality two have escaped. You don't get those. Now, you have a mom with a heretofore peerless track record in terms of raising high-quality children, and you have someone who appears to be one of the highest of high-quality who has already been raised by her for the last four years, and pulling her out of his life and giving him a new mom could... You can easily make the argument that would fuck his emotional development all to pieces. So you want Isabella there to, if for no other reason, to finish raising Phil so you can eat Phil. If you care about Quality meats. So I'm it's, gonna just... it's not mentioned in the anime, but pretty sure in the manga they say early on that basically like all of the moms in the five plants kind of have a similarly high track record. They reserve moms for these, like like only the highest moms for this mm. these kinds of plantations. So the other plantations would have a similar quality also. But if you're a kid and your mom gets swapped at four, that's going to fuck you up. <laughs> that's true. No, no matter how well, caring they are. <laughs> well, well. Well, I mean, Crone came over and watched them for a bit. But that was so. in addition. That was like a babysitter. That was a cousin, an aunt. That If your mom yeah. goes away forever and you get a new mom, it's hugely disruptive to you as a child. Hmm. I still disagree for other reasons as well. There's the more practical one, which is Grace House is burned down. Where are they going to stay? 
They need to go elsewhere. Here's how I see it. Regardless of what happens to Isabella, and this is going to come to a shock to Emma later, the kids who remain are going to be split up and sent to the other houses. They can take them in. They've got room. Uh. <laughs> I can't see. What really happens is the the Bat Cave solid steel house from underneath rises up. <laughs> there's a new new Grace House 2.0, like... bitches. <laughs> it's a statue. It's a giant statue of he slash him. <laughs> yes. Like, like, like a hand of nod from Command and Conquer. Yes, yes. Oh. and it has a like a door on his stomach, and it's a full house. Oh inside. my god! <laughs> I mean, and also, of course, you've got Robo Isabella running the shop now as well. Robo Isabella, oh my god! Dude. Hello, children. I will raise you. They it's... ate my brain, but I'm fine. What do you mean? Of course, it's me. Me, 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 of course. Um, they can, will not eat you. in sect. Can oh, we, I drunk AI. Can we, like, while we're talking about he slash him and the demons, I mean, like, let me just take a moment and talk about how fucking buff they all were for no reason. <laughs> they were just all enormous, like... Uh, like yeah. all walking around with They're their spears guards, all day, basically just lifting. Were they, were they possibly members of the Body Improvement Club from Mark Psycho? <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. Timeline. Basically, guards and stuff. Oh, yeah, there's more. There's like more lanky ones later. You just got you just got Demon so Bob walking past Demon Tim and he goes, Bro, do you even lift? He's I like, know. Bro, of course I lift. Bro, you skipped leg day. Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> they all did. <laughs> what is this leg day? We do not leg day. Give me I can't run after the children because I only have sticks for legs. <laughs> I have to waddle. Oh, but I look good doing it. Yeah. But I am I am of the opinion they will probably off Isabella, but not something that we would see, but rather that's it. And then we come back later, maybe, and we will have the film. And I do think they would split the kids up just at least in the interim until Grace House is rebuilt. Because they need to put them somewhere. There isn't anywhere else for them to go. They can't put all of them in one house because there's not enough room in one. But you've got 15 kids and five plants, three kids per plant makes sense. Maybe there's like a spare small house because the population has been drastically reduced. All right, Grandma, what do we what do we do? This is a drastic. <laughs> I know. Like sorry. The next, sorry. The next book. <laughs> and like the literally the next chapter, they say what happens. Oh, okay. Well, okay. We'll just have to wait until twenty twenty. Different. <laughs> different point then. Um. Sort of. Oh, please continue. No, no, no. Oh, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. I want to say what happens! Gotta hold that. Stuff it, Val. All right. <laughs> Shut your trap and wait. Uh, okay. So. <laughs> um, I want to, like, here's something I was thinking about when I was watching the episode a second time. Is, I was like, um... <coughs> projecting like myself in the shoes of like a random kid in this house. Right. Um, Mm. that Emma told the secret to, Mm. and I wondered like, you know, 
I mean, we think it's fantastic that Endless Trust was rewarded, and, and I, I still do. I'm just wondering, like, you know, if that was me, thinking about my, my own relationship with my mom, my sibling, and my friends, like, and if there was this choice put before me, like, you have to betray your mom. As a six, seven-year-old, I don't think I could or would. So it got me wondering, like, I wonder what the sort of relationship is like for sort of foster mom and kids. Do you have in terms any of... siblings? Yep, I have one. one. Um, so, so like, maybe... Younger or older? Younger. One, uh, I, I imagine to, to a lot of those kids, like, since Emma was so active... Emma was kind of like so close to everyone, so happy, such a huge part of their life. It's like their older sibling, mm. kind of a, almost like a second mom. Yeah. I think the fact that it was Emma, the fact that she was so charismatic, she had such a connection to all of the children, allowed them to believe it and kind of go past the kind of, oh, how could I betray mom thing. It's entirely mm-hmm. because it was Emma. That's a good point. And I don't know what it's like mm. to have like a big sister or, or, or in, you know, be raised by one of your siblings effectively because your mom has, you know, 20 other children to look after. So that I think, yeah, I mean, maybe because there are so many, like the relationship that the, the kind of love and relationship of a mom to that many kids, like even if they try their hardest, maybe it's just not the same. Maybe there's some kind of, maybe there's just more distance, even if it's not yeah, intended to be, you know? Yeah, it's just one mom and like 50 children. It, it, mom's not going to give everyone the same kind of attention that your mom gave to you, for instance. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the same relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, you already addressed Mythbusters. Uh, <laughs> uh, sidearm, Bolo, Don amazing like he's developed a skill oh this should be his weapon going forward his primary weapon of choice the bolo and he should always throw a sidearm like that's great um we talked about the ray stuff uh, i can't say anything <laughs> um we talked about big brother ray uh thank you norman um for all your contributions uh throughout the show even after you know even in the last two episodes and he really was the gift that kept on giving i know i know and like you know you mentioned like maybe isabella is the emma and leslie is the norman i mean that one scene where leslie's getting shipped out like the scenes are parallel too heavily like we we absolutely have to think that's the case and and i adore that there's more layers to retroactively now to what Isabella was saying to Norman. Cause I think everything we said when it happened is still totally valid. Like, I think that part of the reason why she said that to him is like, wow, like this is this world I live in is cutthroat and cold blooded, but here you are uh, uh, like knowing that you're a lamb to the slaughter and doing it anyway to buy your friends more time. Like it's the most noble thing I've ever seen. Thank you for meeting someone like you. But also, a layer on top of that, thank you for letting me meet someone like you who was like this boy that I cared about so deeply when I was a kid. We are the same as we have the same thing that you and Emma had. Like, 
I love that added like retroactive mm. context. Like it is mm. delicious and wonderful, and I slurp it up. Um, I agree. May I throw something out here, Randy? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a I have a fan wank theory. Enjoy this. Do you reckon that Phil is Chrome's son? No, <laughs> man. Gosh, I hadn't thought about it at all. <laughs> what? Wow. I mean, the complete fan wank. Type... Don't, don't I don't really mean much about it. I'm just throwing it out there for fun. I think the timeline fits. It does because Phil is only four after all. Is sorry, Crone is younger than I'm Isabella. Like... Yeah, and like Isabella, like Ray was like four ish when he said this stuff to Isabella. Oh, mm-hmm. shizzled off. Yeah, yeah, I think it fits the timeline. Man, what a shiz that would turn out to be. <laughs> oh, God. I, I will spoil Mom? that this has not been addressed yet. <laughs> okay. Phil's ancestry <laughs> has not been addressed yet in mm. the manga. Well, to Phil's be fair, ancestry you know... or his agent handler, or his you know <laughs> who who is giving him the orders. To be fair, like you know, they're going to have to leave the you know slam dunk reveal of him being the yox that's off until the very end. The hair don't fit. Yeah. Oh my god. No, there's well... tons of slam dunk reveals where this this would be a fucking whatever. <laughs> trust so, me. Um... Trust me. So okay. I know we kind of already kind of have gone on to talking points here, but let's address Isabella for a moment. Yeah. Um, so, Borg mentioned before that, okay, why is Isabella pregnant? I mean, why are they put through this, the mobs? And do you know what this made me think of? Um, I'm referring to the book here, not the show, because I haven't seen it. The Handmaid's Tale. Okay. Because, like... If you in in this show in Promised Neverland, I don't think it's the case the moms are having the kids simply to put them into the you know to the stock because the numbers don't add up. There aren't enough moms you know versus number of kids present for that to really be the case. Mm-hmm. But I think here, in the same way as it was in The Handmaid's Tale, which was essentially about how you know they had no the handmaids of that story had no control; they were just vassals to be used for procreation. Like, their agency was gone. I think in Isabella's case, like, the reason that they put her and all the other moms for it is, as Vargelius said, to point out how powerless they are. Yes, and also to yes. break them. 100%. Because I can I mean, I'm not a dad. Uh, and I'll never be, you know, pregnant myself unless Junior turns out to be a documentary and not a fictional film. But anyway. Uh, like, I cannot... I can easily imagine, or rather, I imagine what it must be like to, you know, conceive your child and have it taken away from you immediately. Because that's what will have happened. Soon as Ray came out, gone. And Isabella, like, had that little twist of his genetics or whatever that like, gave him that, you know, ability. Never happened. She'd she have been on the wiser. Known. She'd yeah. have been on the wiser. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the intent for the, you know, for her to find out that Ray was indeed her son. The fact that Maybe he's they in tell the them, like like a few months after they get shipped, they tell them, like they get a message. Hey, by the way, right? Yeah, I don't think so. I I think that <laughs> I think I think that the idea is more just the moment, like in the moment. Yeah, yeah, you know, definitely, definitely. Like because you know, if you can't even look after your own kid, how can you truly get attached to another one? Kind of breaks it. 
And I think that the fact that they end up in the plants is probably just, you know, them having that meeting about this, you know, whole procedure and going, well, they're here, we might as well use them. And then he goes, good job, Bert. Fantastic idea. So they, of course, just pop them back in the plants. Uh, but by the way, this also leads into some interesting like possibilities. Will we ever, for example, eat, beat Emma's real mom? Hmm. Hmm. There's a thought for you. Um. But yeah, like as I said before, like watching this scene unfold. Prone as Emma's real mom. No. No. <laughs> no. But watching watching this scene unfold, where I just kind of realised ahead of time the implications of it. I actually felt physically sickened by what that meant for what they'd done for Isabella, how they had violated her, how they had done, like they'd already broken her so much by taking Leslie away from her and then revealing the truth after the fact that they're only so much soil and green for the demons. And like, okay, final test, conceive a child and then it just gets taken away from you. You don't even get to fucking name it more. It's so vile thinking about it like and that to me like is i mean think of why they're called demons demons and devils used interchangeably are known in throughout all kinds of law that they appear in religious or otherwise for tempting people to do evil and that applies here breaking down otherwise good people to do horrific things just because you know it'll make your life a little easier a little better you know you can live one more day Live comfortably, as Isabella says. And so, for me, like when it comes to villains, there is a difference in my mind between understanding uh, a villain's motivation and agreeing with it. Mm-hmm. That's what a sympathetic villain is. Like, I can understand how a character came to act the way they acted, even though I myself think that it's still reprehensible they're doing it. And that's why Isabella is in, like, after now the show has concluded. She's probably one of my favourite villains of recent memory. Because I can totally see the path that's been laid out for her, that's led her to do what she's done. But I understand why she did it, even though I just don't agree with it, of course. And can inspire I, can, sympathy for me. Go on. Can I, can I just read, like, parts of the monologue from the manga? Yeah. as a response to that. Please do. I'm going to read straight from the manga. The stuff that this show left out. This is like Isabella. I have no regrets. I can't change the world. What would my death do? If anything, I need to make the best of what I do have. I must let them live as long as possible. I must provide all of the love inside of me. This ch- these children know nothing. He's no longer around. Referring to... Uh, Leslie. Her friend, Leslie, with the lady name. Yeah. I must How dare myself. you? <laughs> I must live for myself and to give purpose to Leslie's life. Hmm. Eh? I will. I will. I, it doesn't feel like she's even a villain at this point to me. No. That's it. Yeah, she, she's not redeemed, but she's understood. Inside, like at this point, we know who she is completely. This is also why I'm of the opinion we won't see her again. Maybe because she's killed off, maybe not. Because her function in the show, narratively speaking, is now complete. Well. Well. 
I would say anything. I I would hesitate. <laughs> I would just not knowing anything. Again, I don't know anything about it, but I feel Why like was it this is, um... the point where you stopped reading? How could you stop reading here, you monster? Because is... he's an ice cold motherfucker. That's right. This is when my winter vacation ended, and there was a lot to do, and I just didn't pick it back up. But like. But look, this, the story feels like it could really broaden in scope and depth from here now that they're out of the puzzle box. And so yes. Isabella, I feel like, could easily kind of come back in and have narrative functions that we just can't even imagine right now. Um, mm. And I feel like she should. It will be, I mean, I'm of the opinion that it would be a waste to kill her off just because she's had this incredible internal and a little bit of external journey before our eyes and like man i feel like i'm understanding her now like i want to know more and i feel like even though you know i wouldn't say like oh she all is forgiven or whatever at this point she feels redeemable i don't know if she has been redeemed but she feels redeemable and i want to see her go forward and i want to eventually see her like try to make up for all this pain and suffering that she has been a party to. Mm. I would also still argue against it just because as well, like they've grown beyond her now. They've grown up. This is like, you know, they don't need her anymore to guide them or direct them. Mm-hmm. They made their own choices. So it feels strange to take that away and have her come back in. She'd be in a new role, but, but you're right but, about yeah. like as bomb. Yeah. I mean, I think like, that's what I thought of when you see, the like the swaying ropes after they cut them i was like it's the umbilical cord you know mm. because well, they me, are the umbilical cord is cut they are going through the darkness into the light like being born again they're like they're born newly into the world they say it's their well, first, man their first definitely not forgetting this then <laughs> they say it's their first morning um and they true. have been and they're going forth from their mother like it felt yeah. um, like very much cutting the umbilical cord and it was so cool! Like, what a fucking beautiful scene that was. Yeah. For me, I just took that more as a the severing of the ties that bind. Like, that's them leaving behind Grace House, never to return. Well, at least not in the sense, like, you know, of wanting to come back to remain there. But, I mean, they could come back to get the kids at home. But, I mean, that's, after all, like, why Emma says goodbye. Um, But, yeah. I'll add one more thing, by the way. I think that, you know... To play devil's advocate here, or demon's advocate, if you want to call it that, <laughs> maybe maybe they did a favor by killing off Leslie before his country music career started. That'd been pretty fucking. Bad. How dare you? Gosh, so much shade being thrown on Leslie this episode. What do you think my name is? Come on, come on. <laughs> his fucking acting career would fucking suck. Um, man, you're saying you needed a machine gun in the guitar case, which I would endorse. Yeah. Uh, completely. Um, uh, shoot. Where was I? Um, oh, talked, uh, Emma before she slid down the rope. Unbelievable. This scene, like, the way she looked at Isabella, it was... I mean, you didn't need to say anything. She said some very, like, poignant lines, but, like, just that look. 
and Isabella pleading, like, don't go, my children, like, and her just saying with her eyes, not saying, like, I reject this reality. Everything about it. And substitute mm. my own. Yep. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> there, therefore. Indeed. Uh, Indeed. Well, so like, good. It's, a reverse, it's a reversal of what we've seen before, like, where Isabella was in control and Emma was not mm-hmm. shaking, pleading, right. crying. And now the shoe's on the other foot. And Emma doesn't even say much other than goodbye, and that's it. There's no, you know, big go fuck yourself or as a speech or anything like that. It's just, bye. That's it. Yeah. Can I make one small observation, by the way? Mm-hmm. After Emma goes down the rope, when we cut back to Isabella, the camera frames itself and it's specifically there to show the tattoo on Isabella's neck before we go into the flashback. Yes, thank you. Which, which is such a wonderful primer for reminding us that she was just as much a victim as anyone else here. Yeah. And then we go straight to the explanation of how that happened. Little things like that, little details, things that I had in shit like this so well done yeah yeah Yeah, man um did we talk about i mean did we talk about why did you give birth to me (sighs) that was fucking devastating what a fucking devastating line the thing is like with raid having his entire memory like you could pan that out from like the moment he was there to like being cradled like when he's young before he left the headquarters and what he must have overheard that wouldn't have made sense to him at the time as a two-year-old but later on he's like oh yeah of course they get fed to the fucking demons aren't they like i'm a fucking hot dog great gosh and like you mentioned the look on isabella's face like god damn it's like she was like aging before i like just just horror anxiety fear sad like what a like what a moment i mean i can't imagine like i can't imagine how she felt right there like i feel for her very deeply uh in that moment despite her you know having done horrible shit just like god you know because you see her like before that moment you see her like graduating mom school and kind of putting on her uniform and walking around and it's like she has steeled herself like she's been through all the trauma she thinks she's going to go through she's been through all this horrible shit but she's a survivor like she is like stealing her heart and then bam just to be hit with that it's like fuck man like because yeah. you, you have to it, the veil comes off the veil comes off her face like you can see the jet like it's where we see how she always is all the time like cringing scared terrified broken but then she like takes deep breath and goes for survival which is fucked up so fucked up (laughs) can i can i also just say actually as well when it comes to isabella and ray talking about how this show changes things retroactively with this revelation look at all the times we've seen them talking privately Look at all of those moments in which she gives him small things. Mm-hmm. This is like an incomplete, proper mother-son relationship here. Man. It's all business. And you can now then see, retroactively, what's been denied them. 
Because yeah. I can say with some certainty, driven, even given how little we see of her, that if there was an alternate Promised Neverland universe in which Isabella just had Ray normally and got to raise him as a regular child, she probably would have loved the bones off him. Never mind that we see her actually love the bones off every kid that she does look after, even if it is ultimately to an ill end. This is why I said before about, you know, fake experiences, or rather fake environments still leading to genuine experiences. Doesn't mean it didn't care. That's why she, Emma says goodbye to her in the end. Hmm. Like, you know, doesn't mean she's going to turn tail back and say, I'm sorry, Mom, I didn't mean... Like, no. She did love her. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that doesn't get in the way of, you know, having to escape their fate. So, yeah, all of that in the back, like, now it just... It's all the more sickening. It's... Doesn't she say Vorgelia in the manga, like, I wish I could have loved them fully or something like that? Yes, she says that. (sighs) She says, basically... Let me find this. I wish I could have just loved them normally. She's got, like, a... Look. Isabella. Pretty evil. Done some evil stuff. Like, in the name of her own survival, right? I mean, there's... It's a hard choice to be like, no, I won't do evil. Eat my brain and kill me. But she did the bad stuff. But to, like... To do all that and be part of that system but and still have all that love in her heart for all the kids and, like, balance those two things. Like, how does she not go insane? I mean, this is why we talk about Crone being kind of wacky. Like, but she just has to be made of such stern stuff, like, to... Maybe, maybe she was, because yeah. it's not a question necessarily of how they appear on the outside, but, you know, living that way can be its own kind of insanity. I guess so. She seems like she has it all together, I mean, in terms of, like, sanity. I'd say maybe maybe it's more a question of indoctrination, brainwashing. I think it's more like she's focused on her survival, and she's focused on doing a good job, and she's focused on kind of her her job in general to just distract herself from that stuff. But to, to it's be, like escapism. Yeah. I know. Like, I can sympathize with that, absolutely. Yeah, but and like, I feel like she's the sort of person, I mean, that's a conscious choice to focus on that stuff and not think about, oh, like, horrible eating. I'm a traitor to the human race. I'm killing people. These kids are being eaten. Like, it... I'm sure that takes a lot of effort. I mean, maybe I'm giving it too much credit. Maybe that's just what human beings do is we distract ourselves from big problems. But, like, I don't know, man. Like, to, to me, I feel like she's she's got a lot of a lot of stuff in here. She's made of some fucking stern stuff. <sighs> Was Ray being put with Isabella deliberate? I wonder. I'm, no, I'm, no, I don't think so. I think that the only reason that that works is because they had the infantile memory thing, but the demons didn't know about that. Or at least it's not clear that they did. Um, if that was the case, they'd have it for all the kids. But then again, that also leaves them then open to the kids rebelling because they know the truth. So on the, you know, on the some value of it all, whatever you want to call it, I'm of the opinion, know that Ray is a glitch. He's an accident, you know, in the sense that he has that that they didn't know about. And it's just coincidence. A demonic clerical error. <laughs> Monty, right, make you sure put you... it in the wrong file! <laughs> okay, 
Tim, why did you give <laughs> Isabella the wrong gene therapy? You're supposed to be making her, him, her child immune to sickle cell anemia. Not, you know, giving him infant memories, you tits. <laughs> I was That's busy. That's how the demon saw my life. I was lifting. Sorry. I was distracted. Bah. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, well, maybe if you lifted your brain for a second, you wouldn't have made this colossal fuck up now, would you? Uh, what did you say? I was thinking about could I lift the bookshelf? You know? It's heavy. I want to lift it. I'll oh, throw fuck. the book at you in a minute. <laughs> you know, I thought I would get drunk. And I would laugh a lot and have fun. But I've just been crying in the back the entire time. This show is wonderful. Not just about the show. Like, we're talking about what happens after. I'm not going to spoil anything. Just remembering the fucking box of cookies. Oh, shit. There are Girl Scouts in the wild. They are going to be in trouble. (laughs) Are they Samoas or Thin Mints? We need to know. Oh, man. Right. Well, anyway, uh, do we have anything else to add about the episode or the show at this point? I'm actually, I'm done. I've said everything I need to say. I think I'm tapped out about the episode. Um, well, I guess I'm we... the most done I'll ever be in my life. Yeah, I guess you guys oh. have uh, talked about how you feel about the show as a whole uh, already at the beginning. And I echo those sentiments. Like, I think having consumed both versions like the anime stands up and i think it's fantastic i think the story is like you said Morgelia, very tight it's a very well paced package and like you said shadon it's got like it's got so much heart and pathos and like you just you feel mm. it so deeply and you love all these characters and, and yeah. like emily said in chat like all these like the the ending is so great because it's just all these different arcs and moments paying off. Like everything mm-hmm. that we've seen up up to this point has been leading up to this, and it makes this episode so sweet because it's just payoff after payoff after payoff. Hmm. I, I will add one thing though that I need to say just needs to be restated because I've actually thought about this some more. Crow's design is a mistake, both in the manga and in the anime. Don't think anyone's to d- 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 deny that. Okay. But they missed a trick by not actually, you know, changing that. And I thought to myself, because people have said erroneously, because they don't know what they're talking about, uh, you know, that how could the author have known? Well, consider the little elements, the names, for example. I mean, when you and I talked about Frank Stock, what were all the characters' names? They are all Japanese. Right. All the characters' names here are very much Western names. Phil, Ray, Emma, Norman. There ain't no fucking Normans in Japan who are naturalized there, I'm willing to bet you. Yeah. Exactly. So, clearly the writer of this work has some source in media that they've possibly consumed passively or actively over time that is very Western nature. That's where they got these names from. That's where they got the design of things from. Like Grace House, very standard offish kind of look. Isabella and Crone's design. Like, the only thing that seems really anime-ish in this show, and I'm not talking about the way it looks, is in terms of design, is probably the demons. Mm. And that's really it, I would say. Um, this, by the way, Ray's is sometimes... Ray's sweet a... hair is anime Well, this is true. <laughs> Norman's hair. Yeah, Norman, Norman's got fucking... Yes, yes. Fucking anime hair. Um, but there's, other, there's two things I want to address very quickly, actually, kind of linked together, like, almost forgot. 
So, shouts to, I think it's Nera, was it? Who put the point out on Twitter that fuck adapting this into a live show, show because they'll <laughs> fuck it up. And then, of course, Vargelia, Netflix executive that she now is, came in with her pitch for it, which sounded like the worst thing ever short of... Oh. Go read my yeah. pitch on Twitter.com. Yeah, exactly. 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 Now, here's the thing. I absolutely agree, and I apologize if it's not Manera. I can't remember off the top of my head. It's uh, actually... Brianna, but I don't know Brianna, her... sorry. I don't know her Brianna yet. I don't, think I don't she know her chat name. Us. She, I think she does, but her her name in chat is uh, is different. Anyway, um, as far as adapting this into live television goes, I would be okay with them doing a live action adaptation. I would even, funnily enough, be okay with them aging the characters up a bit. But I absolutely agree with the sentiment as presented there that the script should not be changed in the slightest otherwise. Change the, the small elements, but don't do shit like giving them a fucking love triangle and crap like that. We don't want some Katniss Everdeen bollocks in here. That was already fucking tepid. Wait a minute. We Hold on just a minute. Okay, we would have an okay crone. So what you're telling me is a bunch of teenagers live in this house without boning each other. Get the fuck out of here. We gotta sex it up. That's <laughs> okay, the only way what's we the catch? What's the catch? They're escaping? What's the catch? What's the what's the thing? You know? Okay, yeah. they're smart. They're escaping. Okay, what's, lens the, what's the gimmick? Just bitches Where? love lens flares. Where are the explosions? Oh, okay. I don't see any fucking robots. Come on. Get out of here with this. Does, you. Ray, does Ray kill Isabella with an AK-47? <laughs> come on. Come on. <laughs> okay, so there's that. But the reason I bring this up is because it ties into my next point, which is I want to talk about how the show has been constructed. Just as a summation, you could teach a film class with the show, I would. I've learned so much and, you know, gained so much meaning from this show's construction in terms of its framing, its color schemes, its music, all that good shit. All of it. And I reckon that, you know, that's why, like I said with 91 Days, way back when, you could, do a live adaptation, you could do a live action adaptation of it as well. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not you want to then make the argument that, as I said previously, that, you know, maybe the show would have benefited from playing loose and being more, you know, animated, to use a poor term, rather than being as filmic as it is, that's up for debate. I'm personally quite happy with it as it Mm-hmm. I do think it speaks to the quality of the show that even before we get to the material in question, uh, it's just executed well. They put a lot of thought into it. Someone cared about this show. Yes. I watched I watched Frank's. No one gave a shit about that. I've been watching another show recently, which I'll be talking about on the podcast soon. Ain't no one giving a shit about that. At least nine so far as that was constructed. <laughs> so many people do give a shit about that one, though, unfortunately. Well, <laughs> we'll talk about that another time. Uh, but anyway, yeah, someone cared about this show. And therefore, I'll care enough to say, you know, in turn that I recognize what they would do with that. And good on them for fucking putting that effort in. I'm a huge fan, even a little obsessive over little details, little things that mm-hmm. texture shows and such. I love that shit. So, that's all. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all talked out. I need more alcohol, and I need to go out to Manchester and go get liquored up. All right. So shall we uh, rate and review the episode then? Or we've already reviewed. And the series. And we the reviewed series. it. And, well, <laughs> and the series, yes. Indeed. I'll go first then. Um, this episode for me was, I'd say, a, far, a four out of ten. Uh, specifically. Wait a minute. Uh, four, 
Wait a minute. No, not fire. No, 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 I got it wrong. Sorry, I misspoke. I will fucking kill you. Like, bro, it's okay. It's okay. Just lift him. Anyway, so I'm going to give it four. I'm going to give it four out of five symbolic cussing of rope. Um, it was all around an excellent finale. It doesn't quite have the same heights of execution as I've seen in the other episodes in this show. Some of them were stronger on that. Uh, like with the music, for example. Like the music here was good, don't get me wrong. And, and, I think, and I think that's something I haven't addressed, but I'm just going to say I don't agree with this. But I think that people could potentially fairly criticise it for saying, well, this all came out of left field. Why did we get to see all the, you know, builds? And there are good reasons for that, such as, you know, well, tension. But I can understand why that might feel, you know, a bit dissatisfying to people. It's me, not a problem. But overall, a very, like, a very fine finale to a great show. Speaking of which, the show. So this is going to be out of 10 because I've rated other shows out of 10 before, like to give you an idea of what sits on my sliding scale. Uh, I only have four 10 out of 10s at the moment. Uh, that is still the case. This is not a 10 out of 10 show for me. No, no, no. It's, I am going to give Promise Neverland ultimately an 8 out of 10. And here's why. Riot. <laughs> riot, riot all you want. Riot all you want. You go stomp your feet in those streets, man. I'm here and I've got my I've got my force of conviction. So Riot. There, there are, you can't make a total riot for fuck's sake. <laughs> Jesus. Like that's the most like Yeah, Doc's doing karaoke sites complain about me and my opinions. I can see that happen. Alright. There are basically two reasons, like one is I think they really did drop the ball with Crone, and that does hurt the show unnecessarily. It's not like something that's controversial because it's intended to serve a point. It doesn't serve any fucking point. It's in there because they didn't think about it because they were blind to it. And that doesn't, isn't something I can ignore. And secondly, I did get an emotional reaction out of the show, but I've had stronger reactions out of other shows that are in my top ten, like Welcome to NHK, like uh, Madoka Magica, uh, like uh, Land of the Lustrous. It didn't quite reach that far. So those two things bring it down to an eight. But it's still a very, very strong game. It's it's just so well constructed from start to finish, apart from that obvious flaw. And it's tightly written, tightly scripted. The pacing's spot on. The mood is spot on. Only other thing I could say against it, I suppose, is the CG. But, right. Well, right. I've already I've already badgered on about that long. Ago. Right. Right. So yeah, right. I I will I will leave on that to say like if you want any more endorsements from me, I cannot wait for season two. I'm glad there is a season two. I'm glad we're going to get closed for it. And I cannot think really any of any other endorsement like that. You know, I could be all haughty about the shit we talked about and all the ways this, this show works. Do I want to see next season? Of course I fucking do. There's your endorsement right there. <laughs> um, I don't even think season two will be closure. <laughs> be like eight seasons no. of the show. <laughs> um, so we'll just be airing like, like two thousand seven. It's been like thirty-seven yeah. volumes, chapters, right? Yeah, chapters, whatever. And then currently, we're on chapter one thirty. Mm. So yeah, there's we're nowhere close to a conclusion. Oh, I'm just. I'm, we're going to be talking about this when we're in our sixties. Like, you know, my fucking <laughs> daughter is going to be there wheeling me in on a wheelchair. All right, Uncle Sh- All right, Papa Shaden, you go talk about your podcast. That's nice. Papa Shaden, they escape. 
this and uh, One Piece and My Hero Academia. We'll be talking about all this still. And Boruto. Boruto. The hottest <laughs> the hottest anime of this season. Nice. I love that reference, man. The pinnacle of action anime. By the way, I've always just thought Boruto was a funny word. <laughs> Like why did they, why did they call the son of Naruto Boruto? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. It it recontextualizes. It's in English. It should be since Boruto is like Bolt. So oh Naruto yeah, it is. Nart, it's Bolt. Yes, Nart, Nart, and Bolt. Oh, it's turning into a Kingdom Hearts thing, isn't it? Yes. So Nart is his English name. No, it is Boruto. You're right. Lightning Boruto. God. Oh, man. Um, Okay, so I will quickly just say, like, here's the objective opinions that cannot be (laughs) disagreed with by uh, the humanities or the sciences. Uh, Quantum nor theoretical physics. Particle nor uh, Einsteinian. Here is the deal. This episode is 10 out of 10 buff demons. And this entire show is a nine out of ten uh, onion kids holding sticks of dynamite. <laughs> but here's the this inside joke because me and Shadon were watching the episode and there's we had paused it and there's a shot where Landian is holding the coat hanger and one side of it is so darkly shadowed on the the player that you I couldn't see it. And so it just looked like Lanyon was holding a stick of dynamite. That's going to be awesome. Shit's going to get real, motherfuckers. <laughs> Light the fuse, Uncle Ray. <laughs> Here we go. That's my boy. Yeah. They grow so fast. <laughs> I hit some dynamites as a bonus. That's right. Re- he's he's, nice he's going to do a rampage mission from GTA. Yeah. Okay, uh, Valerie. Oh my god. I've... You How many hear tears me sniffling out of 10? in the background? It's like not even funny. This is my recommendation of the show. I've been just kind of tearing up in the background the entire time. This show is amazing. Just, I'm not going to give it a number. I think I would be doing it at the service by giving it a number just go watch the thing sometimes good things or come from japan go read read the manga or something just just yeah you could read the whole thing this for is... for two dollars or yeah. you could watch the show for zero dollars these are such such wonderful characters they're developed in so wonderful ways in the end, I got what I wanted, you know? I didn't want to see another kind of story about internal conflict, you know, about how do they do the thing as a group? Oh, no, what are the problems? No. They're all a wonderful family, and they all get along, and they're all wonderful, and they're overcoming. Mm. They have no differences. They overcome all of the troubles. They're happy. Just, just go get drunk. Bravo. Bravo. I'm not gonna say very much. I'm I'm out of commission right now. I'm sorry. Will you ever listen to this recording again later? 
<laughs> don't do that. I yeah, that's my right. Voice right now. Oh, it's lovely. Please. So. Just, just fuck off. With, with that cheery note. <laughs> Probably going to end. With that cheery note. Yeah, indeed. Uh, we'll wrap up now. So, on behalf of Doc, uh, Borgelia, and myself, and also quick shout out to Emily Rand, who joined us previously for uh, this show. Thank you so much, Emily, if you're listening. Uh, and to you, the audience. Uh, we're now four shows in on this live format that we've been doing. Yeah. Uh, to answer Mira's question that's just popped up in chat, I believe it's Saran Zanmai. Uh, mm-hmm. th- th- yeah. We're going to be covering that. Saraz and my. Does, does new... it suck? <laughs> does, uh, let me um, dial myself from the right? future. Uh, if it sucks, I might be more surprised than I have been about anything in anime ever. Because okay. uh, Kunihiku Ikuhara is like on the Mount Rushmore <laughs> of anime directors for me. He Didn't is amazing. Did Don watch it and he said it sucks? This is new. It hasn't come out yet. Okay, I've was that, that a, was that a different? Okay, was that different? Oh, you're afraid to what I was talking about before. Oh, uh, Shield like Hero. Uh, oh. No, you didn't have to say. Oh, fuck. I always keep it. <laughs> oh, secret. I'm sorry. Well, oh, fuck me. Well, I can I can edit that out never. on the vod and only the live it's, audience. Never mind. Then. Never mind. <laughs> so yeah, cats out of the bag now. Yes, I am watching that show. Yes, I will be doing a solo podcast on it at some point. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean. I'm four episodes in. I'll tell you all for free. Bad. Oh boy. But yeah, no, Ikuhara, like, Vorg, you would love all of his stuff. He okay. has directed uh, Revolutionary Girl Utena, one of, if not the greatest anime ever made. Uh, I don't know what that is. It is very gay, and it is very literary and awesome. Uh-huh. It's a magical girl. It's awesome. It, Look, I need to recover from shit. You can't just say this stuff. He's he directed uh, Mawaru uh, Penguin Drum. Penguin Drum is excellent, uh, mm. and he directed uh, Yurikuma Arashi. Um, uh, I remember that one. Oh, so good! They're all so. Fucking good. And he did Sailor Moon stuff before, but those are his ma- his big three. Like, oh, shit, he's got creative control. He's directing a TV show. Um, and I'm, I'm so, I'm so excited. So excited. Yeah, uh, that's what Vorgelia said, Felix, that it is Mm. 37 chapters. Mm. Um, Indeed. So, um, just to get back to what I said, uh, thank you all, as always, for joining us. Uh, Yeah, 37 out of, uh, I'll type it, just keep going. Thank you. So, um... Thank you all, everyone, for joining us. Uh, we will indeed be back very soon, next week even, I believe, Yep. Uh, to cover Sarans of I. Uh, we can very much hope to see you then. Uh, feel free to drop us a racing or review on iTunes or SoundCloud if you have a moment. We would greatly appreciate it. Helps our discoverability. Uh, until next time, though, uh, we're going to break out now. We're going to escape ourselves. Uh, I have been Shaden. That's been Doc. That's been Vogue. Breaking Hi. down. Netflix executive that she is. You know, having a heart. But as always, have a very good Friday, everyone. Whatever you might be doing, wherever you might be. Uh, And well, like we always say, embrace yourself for everyone to the ends of the universe. And one last, one last thing: the survey is still up. I'm going to keep it up uh, until like through the weekend. So if you're watching this or listening to this and have not done 
the survey yet, uh, please do. It will help us so much. If you go to our Twitter, Water We Death Show on Twitter, it's on the pinned tweet. Take a couple minutes. Help us out. Help us help you. We love you all. Want to hear what you have to say. Um, and yes, please get up with us. We love you all so much. Thanks for joining. As Shadon said, all the wonderful things. Embrace each other, everyone. To the ends of the universe, goodbye, mwah, and good night. Do all those things that they said. Sounds nice.